0: your online community designed to help you connect, reach your summit, and create meaningful adventure experiences with your family. Hello, and welcome to Ordinary Sherpa. I'm your host, Heidi Dusick. I have allergies. So my voice is a little wonky today and I can get really manly really fast and I've decided that I'm not going to struggle through this episode. I'm actually going to replay an episode that I was a guest on and I thought it was kind of fun just to give you a little behind the scenes on the Ordinary Sherpa brand. My friend Aaron Hunt interviewed me on the per- Your Personal Brand podcast. Aaron is a brand photographer from Pittsburgh, and I just thought he did a really good job of really unveiling and asking some questions about Ordinary Sherpa. So I'm going to pull back the curtain a little bit today and give you some insights into the Ordinary Sherpa brand. I do just want to mention I have a fun announcement going out to my email list on Saturday, May 15th, 2021, if you're listening to this in real time. And if you are not a member of that email list, I would encourage you to go to OrdinarySherpa.com backslash subscribe, and you can become a member of the Ordinary Sherpa email list. With that, I hope you enjoy this fun little episode. I'll rejoin you at the very end of this episode and close out this week with some fun adventure tips.
1: Heidi, it is uh, so nice to have you on the show.
0: Yeah. Thanks for having me, Aaron. I'm excited to be here.
1: I tell you what, when I was looking for guests, somebody a little bit different, I started going through, who do I know? Who are some cool people that I've met recently? And you definitely fall into that. So I just want to do a quick intro for everybody listening, then we can get into the discussion. Basically, Heidi, your passion lies in challenging the status quo, driving change and delivering experiences. But it's not for individuals. And I think that whole idea of challenging the status quo is probably why I feel like I've known you forever when we first met. So what you do is you inspire families to take their adventure dreams, turn those into experiences. And then you have this amazing ability to stack talents and have these lived experiences as your superpower. But you also have empathy, trust, and curiosity as the main threads woven through your life, which you're trying to design as an authentic and memorable life. So you're the host of the Ordinary Sherpa podcast, you're on the Facebook group by the same name, and you're also the person who introduced me to the term untourism, which is something we're going to jump into right away. So, so excited to have you here.
0: Yeah, thank you, Aaron. You have given me such inspiration too when it comes to just figuring out my brand and who I am. So even though I'm not one of your clients yet, I have really appreciated just your thought process and how you frame things. So it's a pleasure to be on the show.
1: Yeah. I love that. And here's a quick fun fact. So you're in the Fox Valley area of Wisconsin, which maybe some people don't know where that is, but one of my favorite albums of all time, I purchased in Appleton, Wisconsin, and it was an album called the album soup. It's from an Appleton band in the early seventies a blues psychedelic band. And so I have fond memories of Appleton in the Fox Valley area. That
0: is hilarious. I've never heard of that album. So now I need to go figure it out.
1: It's not an easy one to find. It, they, it was a small production, but it's amazing. I, I, There's a little record shop there in, in downtown Appleton. And when the guy played the, literally within five seconds of the record sorry, I'm like, okay, how much is that I have to buy it? So yeah. So you know, a little connection there that I, I, I didn't realize that we had. I knew you were in Wisconsin, but I, I didn't realize how close you were to an area that I used to frequent. So let's start off with this whole untourism thing. Uh, You know, I I think the first part of it is, well, just start with what is untourism? Why don't you define it for us? Because you're the person who introduced me to that term.
0: Yeah. So if you think about what tourism is, it's really about getting an experience. Usually it's a place that is highly sought after. People are selling you admission. And usually there's a lot of people. And those are just things that I despise when I'm traveling. The reason for my travel is really to connect with my family, to turn off all the distractions of daily life but I crave connection. I want to be, I want to connect with people on a deeper level to understand what makes this community unique. I like to connect with locals to get local insights. And on tourism was the term that I found and just clung on to, to create a more authentic experience that benefits locals, that helps you connect more deeply with the locals, like small businesses, but also just local people. And so you're designing experiences that benefit local communities is essentially what it means.
1: I think that's awesome. And, and when I think of tourism and I think of travel, you know, a lot of us think of a like family vacation each year where there's, you've got a big budget, you've saved up all year, hopefully, and you didn't go into debt to go on vacation. You shared in a podcast episode on, on Ordinary Sharp, and we'll get into that that podcast but your travel budget for a family of five is around $2,500, if I heard that correctly. So we're not talking about expensive types of travel that you're advocating, right?
0: Correct. Yeah. And I think that's part of my challenge in life is like, can I do this for less? I'm, I'm notoriously a cheap person. And I don't necessarily <laughs> want that to like flow into my thread, but I am just a really cheap person. And so I have tried to be thrifty all of my life. And and in truth, my husband never valued travel like I did growing up. And so I had to keep it affordable. So he didn't think it was like this plush thing that we were doing. We were both in the public sector making, I I don't know, maybe base salary was like 40,000 at the time. So it wasn't like we had a lot of room in our budget, but then as we started creating these really inexpensive experiences we realized our budget didn't need to be really high. And so every time we added a child or we added to our desired list, we tried to stay within, okay, what's reasonable now? And so $2,500 is the magic number, but I will say there's days where, or there's trips, I should say, where we go over budget, not by a lot, but there's some instances where we get a little bit more frivolous, like we go out to dinner more than we would typically or something. But for the most part, that's my benchmark.
1: Call what you're doing being cheap. It's let's call it financially efficient. I mean, it allows you to do more within the same budget if you're able to do that kind of stuff. So I think that's great. So let's just start with, can you share a couple of your favorite untourism types of things that you've done, you know, in the last year or two?
0: Yeah, honestly, during the pandemic, we had 2020 scheduled to be an epic travel year. Of course, I think everyone I talked to lately did, and I actually worked a tremendous amount more during the pandemic. My role is in solving community problems. And so I was really on call all the time and then with three kids home. So we really needed to redefine how to even create experiences outside the home in a time when we're all stuck at home or safe at home, depending on the language you want to use. So it forced us to really think about our own community differently, and I was fortunate that I have a little crush on waterfalls, and so it became a challenge of mine to see how many waterfalls were in Northeast Wisconsin. I, so let's just say Northeast Wisconsin's not necessarily on most tourist <laughs> highlights, right? Right. There's, There's a lot of farms, there's cheese, there's the Green Bay Packers, which usually will bring quite a few out of towners in, but we just don't have that vibe. And we had to create our own fun. And we found so many interesting places that I have lived here most of my life and still didn't know about. So that was one of the hidden gems that I would say we found a bunch of waterfalls and then that became my summer adventure list was finding as many waterfalls across the country or across the state. We did find some across the country too. We were staying in Southern Oregon. So after all of that fell through, we decided we were still going to try and do an experience in an RV which was a good little test to see how long I could handle being in an enclosed (laughs) space with three children. And we ended up hitting Northern California and Southern Oregon. And those were places I'd been to California a number of times. So my search was the least visited national park in the United States. And one of them that came up was Lawson Volcanic National Park. Hmm. So it was super amazing because some of the hikes that we saw, for example, my favorite hike was Boiling Lake. It is a turquoise, imagine Yellowstone and the steam ephemerals of Yellowstone will now add that to a lake. And it's just so, it's so amazing. There's wow. like mud yeah. pools everywhere and you're hiking around and you open up to this like red clay and turquoise water. It's just, that was one that I was like, oh my gosh, 90,000 people don't even know this exists.
1: It's so <laughs> fascinating. That sounds like a, an amazing experience. And maybe we'll have a, a handful more people now that, that want to go based on this podcast. So you said something in there that you know, you've lived in that area, I think you said your entire life, but there are areas like you've never even heard of, you didn't even know existed. So how would you suggest other people embrace this untourism mindset in their communities to find these hidden gems that that they don't know are there?
0: Yeah, I started to notice, so my husband lived lived on the other side of the state. So when we would go visit family, there would be intriguing signs. And we don't like to take the highway per se. We always look for a different path if we can. And we started to notice these brown signs. And I just got curious. I think being curious is the greatest asset you can have in this mindset. And I would see things along the way, and I'm typically the passenger. So I would start to take notes on what is this place. And we found that There's, I'm not even going to be able to say it, but about an hour away from here is one of the major continental divide markers for the, and I was like, how did I not know this existed? So you just start to find things through these Brown signs and Brown signs are a historic or cultural monument, so to speak, that is designated by the government of some nature. I do actually have an episode on it because it's becoming more and more popular around how do I find them? What are they? Historical sites, things like that. We started to just put our... I don't know. I guess I would say we got curious. We took notes and then we would explore them a little bit further. When we were in Idaho recently, we found the Oregon Trail. And I was like, I had no idea the Oregon Trail went through Idaho. Maybe I was born under a rock. I just don't retain those types of things anymore. But that brown sign led us to like really dive deep and understand, oh my gosh, this is, can you imagine what life was like back then going over these mountains in covered wagons. So it's been a fun journey for us to just even learn our own history, own our own, learn our own communities better. And yeah, it's it's been a fascinating journey of all the things I probably should remember from school, but don't.
1: Yeah. I think for people with families, it's an amazing experience to get out and actually see a lot of these things in, in real life, not just read about them in a book or see them on a TV show or something. So, I mean, Let's get into that because you're starting to talk about travel. You're starting to talk about some of the other things. You know, this term ordinary Sherpa, when we first met and you shared that term, I absolutely loved it. But what was your goal? What was the initial thing that you had in mind when you said, you know what, I'm going to do this. And that's the name I came up with.
0: Yes. First of all, my own story was that I never lost my sense of adventure when I became a mom or when I got into the professional working world. And I felt like I always had to choose one or the other. And I wanted ordinary Sherpa to be a place where families didn't have to choose, that they could do both. They could have adventure. They could have, they could be working and they could have a family. It didn't have to be a solo travel experience or a couple's thing, which is what you see a lot on Instagram. The other thing I wanted to portray was this idea that adventure doesn't have to be epic. So you think of a Sherpa, most people know Sherpas as the people, the tribe that help people climb Mount Everest. So for me, Mount Everest is probably the most epic adventure that one could imagine. But if you're just an ordinary person, you can actually help a lot of people experience new summits. And so the language around it, the kind of the avatar behind being an ordinary person and a Sherpa, that it just was such an interesting juxtaposition that it landed and it stuck and it feels real.
1: Yeah. And again, I I thought it was brilliant when I heard it. And even, you know, I've talked about it a few times, I think on the podcast, I'm not a huge fan of logos. I don't think they're all that important, but your logo is also amazing. Like it's brilliant. Just the way you use that little location marker in there. So, so I just kudos to that too.
0: Thank you. Cause that was self-designed. And yeah. When you're like bootstrapping a a startup.
1: And again, it's, I think some of the best logos as well. They're not all that, you know, crazy. They're not complex. Look at Nike, one of the most recognized logos of all time. And it's just a little swoosh. It's uh, you know, so I just, I thought it was brilliant when I noticed that too. So was there like a particular moment in your life though, where, I don't know if it was the corporate grind just started to get to you or whatever it was, or you're just like, I have to do something different, or I have to share this message. Like, was there a moment where it just, you were like, okay, I have to do this.
0: Well, 2020 helped. But I would say when I got my job that I'm currently in, and I love it, I I don't necessarily want to leave my job, but I realized that the standard narrative for someone in a leadership position is this is it. This is what you've been striving for all your life. And someone once asked me what's next. And I was like, well, I guess retirement. And that seemed painful because I'm only 40. I wasn't even 40 at the time. Right. And the traditional path to retirement is means I've got 20 more years in this role. And I just couldn't fathom what that would be like. So I needed to create my own story around it. And I don't know that I'm looking to leave my, my corporate world or my leadership role in any sense yet. It's actually helped me rethink how I can show up in that space. So the podcast has actually helped me see problems differently. How can I optimize them? How can I automate them? How am I sharing the message appropriately? So it's actually helped me be better in my professional role. So I think the piece that was whenever I feel stuck or I feel like I have to choose a path and there's black and white, I get a little antsy and turn yellow on them or something.
1: Yeah. And I think that's a big part of it, right? Because there are so many people that it's either this or that. It's black and white. And I always, in my career, I always look for the and solution. How can I have both? Or how can I have it all? Because that's what you need to try to get to. And I I feel like that's what you're trying to do with Ordinary Sherpa, is you're trying to give people the ability to have these amazing experiences, but still, you know, do it within a budget, do it as a family, and do it locally so that you support, you know, local and small businesses. And I, I just think it's an amazing thing you're trying to do.
0: Thank you. It's actually really fun. Cause I think when people see themselves in this space and they may not have seen themselves in this space before, it's a little bit of an aha moment. It's one of those moments where you go, Oh, I'm actually, I could be here. I belong here. Yeah. And that's it, the intent behind it is that everyone could belong here. I have a lot of friends too, who don't have children. And they say, I know you're talking about families, but I'm really finding a lot of value from that. And that's great because I'm not suggesting you have to have kids in order to show up in this space either. But the intent, I guess one of the driving factors that I didn't allude to earlier is I'm a little nervous about the lack of connection that we have. We've gotten so dependent on technology and we get so ingrained in optimizations and productivity that I feel like there's a sense of human connection either with yourself or with nature or with each other that we've started to lose. And so if this can be a place to help foster that connection, that feels like a win for me.
1: Yeah, I'm, I I get it because it's, you know, I recently left my corporate career, similar type of thing. I was in leadership and it's like, okay, I'm going to do this for another, you know, almost 20 years. I, that was never the plan anyway, but there is this, it's hard to, to even make a connection sometimes in, in our business lives because it is all about productivity and efficiency, and and how do we get things done as quickly as possible? And this is from somebody who, you know, my career was built on making companies more efficient, but what we couldn't do was take time to have fun. It was, it was literally in the last decade of my career, it would seem like it was difficult just to have a good time at work because it was frowned upon. And I, I love what you're trying to do. So you have this the Facebook community right now. Who are the kinds of people that find their way there and have a good time in your Facebook community?
0: <laughs> yeah. The ones that show up are the ones looking for something usually. I believe Sherpa comes from a place of generosity that we all have things that we can contribute. And so the intent is that if you're looking for something, you can come, but then you should also leave something to help another person out. I see a lot of families, parents, probably my age in our 40s, grinding through, right? <laughs> Making it work. But the, I, I wouldn't say it's necessarily just families either. I have a lot of, it's not huge. I think we're at like close to 200 members at this point. So I haven't had the ability to connect as much as I would like to, but each week we have a introduction, we meet our new members, we have a discussion question that'll get posted. Sometimes there's a leading question going into crowdsourcing some sort, some resources for the podcast. So There's a lot of different people from all walks of life. I would say my listenership has surprised me a little. I've hit almost all the 50 states. And I I think that's always shocking when you look at your data. You're like, who? I don't even know where this country is. Who's listening there? And how did they find me? It's so fascinating. So it's a mix, but I would say my target audience is still families.
1: Yeah. You know, as you've been growing this up, because it's relatively recent, but what are some of the challenges that you've run into, but you've already got 200 people in there. Your podcast is off to a, a great start. I think you're about 20 episodes in at the time of this recording. And it's a great podcast, by the way. What are some of the challenges you've run into trying to grow this up and still balance it with, you know, your pursuit of the adventures that you want to have as a family and the corporate position?
0: Yeah. I am a striver by heart. (laughs) And so it's easy for me to get bogged down in all the things that aren't right in the podcast yet. I took some time off over Christmas and I was nervous about it. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm taking a break. I was being intentional and I just felt like things fell behind. And I was talking about it actually in one of my mastermind groups. And they're like, that's like on brand for you. Like you should be actually celebrating that. And that's not a place that's natural for me to celebrate when I screwed something up. And when I'm not present, it usually means I'm doing something else to connect with my family. And so it's easy to get stuck as much as I want to be anti-productivity and I shouldn't say that because I think a lot of times when I'm on adventures, it actually triggers that white space actually triggers a thought. And I don't know that I actually do it as much as I would like to. I still focus more on the production side or getting the message out or curating Content or building the community up, then I'm actually a little bit less focused than I would like to be in my own adventure space. Sometimes, so that's a hard balance to work through.
1: And actually, I think that's going to lead me in a completely different direction. But you know, the, the idea of being productive and efficient, really, it is—it's a holistic approach. And the most productive organizations and the most productive teams, they have plenty of white space, and they have to build it in. And I, you know, my last team that I led. You know, we had afternoons and we tried to do it once a month and then it got done. It was only once every other month, but we would take an entire afternoon, sometimes almost an entire day and go do something fun in the local community. So whether it was visiting a historic location, we went to, you know, the County fair one year, actually, I think we did that twice over the years. We go to those different things. And it was funny because we were also in a community organization, we used to get these free tickets to all these different things and nobody would use them. So I just started using those team building activities and it would just give us the afternoon of we weren't talking work, we were just getting to know each other better. So I think that idea of having the white space and intentionally unplugging actually makes you more productive long term. And I just wonder, like, that could be an avenue that you need to talk about with some of your, your listeners and stuff, because they need to do this in order to be at peak performance in whatever it is that they're striving. For.
0: Yes. And the focus of what happens in those off white space hours, the ability to just turn off all of the other things and just be, it's really freeing. I think it gives you so much power so that when you're not running on empty, you're not going into the next task depleted, you have a little bit more rejuvenation and a little more, I don't know, thought process behind it.
1: Yeah. So, so I mean, do you have any plans for this year on things that you're going to do to try to get out and unplug yourself since you couldn't travel as much last year?
0: Yeah. I think by the time this launches, it'll be public <laughs> but we are, we are officially testing what life could be like on the road. We bought an RV. We're going to pick it up. We're buying a one-way ticket to Florida to pick up our RV. I think that's a little adventure. I've never actually driven an RV before. So this is a funny story already. It's shaping up to be a funny story. My husband's a teacher, so we don't have a ton of flexibility. So what happens is we're all going to fly down to buy it. And then I have to drive it back. And then he's going to wow. meet me. Sometimes I think, mean, gosh, I'm crazy crazy. So I'm going to try to do that with three kids. And then we are our plan last year of going to Hawaii that is happening this year. So that got rescheduled. And during that time, If all things go according to plan and we're all vaccinated, whatever, all the, whatever, all the COVID stuff is in place and secure. We have plans to do a family stay. So it's almost like an exchange program, but we will be staying at someone's guest house. But the intent is that they're not gone. The intent is that we actually connect and we've hired their husband, the father or her husband to actually teach us all surfing. So that is probably the two big things on our list that are. They're new for us. They're yeah. different. And I don't know that I really want to do either of them, but that's what makes it exciting.
1: It does sound like a, a lot of fun. I want to get into the RV thing, but you know, your Hawaii visit reminds me of what I used to do in Europe all the time is that when I had weekends, so I, I had to stay in the corporate approved hotels during the week. But on the weekends, I used to do verbos and Airbnbs, whatever I could to find local people so that I could get to know them. And actually, I started doing it in the US over the last five years of my career as well, because- It was just so much more fun and more cost efficient, we'll say, for the organization to stay in those kind of places than it was to stay in 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 a hotel. And it just you got to know like you know, I didn't have to worry about where to go to eat. I just talked to the host and say, Hey, so you know, where should I go for my first night in Portland or whatever it is? And you always got like amazing recommendations. Never had a bad experience. So so that so I love that you're doing that with Hawaii. But let's go back to the RV. Like you've never driven an RV. You're driving the RV with the three kids from Florida to Wisconsin, just basically, you know, just like that.
0: Yep. Yep. I know. I don't know what I'm drinking actually at this point. I my husband has a big truck. So he's we're just gonna have you drive the truck a couple of times. I'm probably most concerned with parking it. I'm not, it's not a trailer. So that's right, good. Right. Cause I've tried to pull a trailer behind the lawnmower before, and that didn't go so well. <laughs> so I'm like excited that it's not a trailer and it's 32 feet. So I know that's big, but it's not huge. Right, so right. I think we're going to test a couple of different things before my husband leaves that weekend. My, like I said, my biggest concern is like having to back it up to park it. Right. It does have a backup camera. So I feel like there should be enough protocols in place.
1: You know, this feels like you know, the kids and you have to create a a vlog like a daily vlog on your trip back, and this has to be something that I, you know, that you share either with your community or publicly. But it it just sounds like a great adventure. I know I wasn't thinking about a YouTube channel, but
0: this one might (laughs) actually turn into its own movie of some sort.
1: Yeah, that's great. So, that's an amazing adventure, and it just makes me think that there are so many people that probably have just fallen into the daily grind, the weekly rut, whatever you want to call it, that like, they don't even, they don't even have dreams of adventure anymore. Do you have any advice for somebody to just be like, how do they rekindle that? Like it, maybe they were like it as a kid and it's just not, now life's just gotten in the way. And it's just like, I don't even know what I'd do for an adventure.
0: Yeah. I think adventure for me is a new experience. I think it was Seth Godin said, when was the last time you did something for the first time? That's, I think, a question just to start on. Where, when was the last time I did something for the first time? And it can be cooking. It could be learning a language. It could be going for a hike to a specific place, but it doesn't necessarily have to be what the montage of adventure might look like or the icon for adventure. I think that question, when's the last time you did something for the first time, is a good starting point.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's great. So what are your big dreams for Ordinary Sharpa over the next year or two?
0: Yeah, I'm big on connection. And one of the interest areas that I'm getting a lot of interest in is around brown signs on tourism. So I have some intentionality around creating an untourist guide to the United States so that there's anywhere you're going, you can find locations that aren't going to be well advertised. A lot of the businesses don't have the ad space or the marketing budget to really promote their destinations in some cases. It also will help you find some untraditional things and potentially meet people in those local areas. So to do some crowdsourcing, to create an untourist guide, and then to create a community around it as well.
1: That sounds amazing. Uh, it's um, the And the untourist guide, that sounds like something that so many people could benefit from. It's just uh, give you a way to maybe give you a way to discover some of the things around your hometown, around the area that you live in. It's like, oh, I don't even know that was here, right? So...
0: Yeah. I was talking with someone about a marketing campaign that they were doing for their local community. And I said, you got to find a way to rethink about tourism. You don't need to always attract the outside people. Why don't you give people a tourist experience in their own location, like in their own community? And so I think that too, if you can create the guide to help people be tourists in their own towns, that also doesn't mean you have to have a travel budget. It can just mean thinking differently.
1: Yeah, and I, I think about every time you have family or friends visit from out of the area, you go to these cool places in your town that you never go to when you just live here. And I just, I, I think hopefully 2020 and and I guess 2021 to some extent has given people a little bit more of an idea of what are some of the kind of things that they can do locally. I know I'm planning on spending most of my year probably locally as well, and and so that'll be nice. So hey, this has been a fun conversation. I just there's, there's been some laughs. it has been a lot of I, I don't know. I just I love talking to you. But I like to ask people, when you agreed to come on the show, is there something that you thought I'd bring up that I never, I I didn't talk about?
0: No, I think most of our conversations have with, I'm just like fascinated by your work and the things that you're doing as well. So I always want to know what's a good brew that you've been drinking lately. Because I also think as much as I want to connect around adventure, there's also food that builds connection there. There's so many different threads that you could pull on. And I know You, uh, We were laughing. I think one of my other adventures, you're inspiring me to take dance lessons potentially just because it's something I've never done. So I think I would challenge people to really explore what does adventure mean for you? And then how do you test it? How do you start it so that it's not a first time thing?
1: Yeah, I think that's great advice. Beer, I haven't been all that adventuresome lately. I've fallen in back in love with one of my old favorites. It's called 90 Minute IPA. And my local dealer has just had it on sale I, I think I almost feel like he's doing it just to get me to keep going back. In. <laughs> Are you going to be a, a subscriber? <laughs> yeah, I mean it's at a it's at a ridiculously low price, and I'm just like I can't pass this up at that price. And so I've I've been uh, that's what I've been drinking a lot of, but I have been drinking something called hop tea lately. So it's basically tea that's brewed like beer, and so because I love hops and I love the flavors of it. And so it's non-alcoholic; it's you know no carbs, anything like that. But you get the the benefits of tea, plus you get the benefits of hops because both of them have a lot of antioxidants in them. So that's actually I've been drinking more hop tea than beer over the last month or so, to the point where I'm actually starting to think about figuring out how to make it myself. So,
0: oh, cool.
1: Yeah. So anyway, so that, that I love when people start asking me questions. It, it uh, doesn't always happen, but. Where, where can people find you? It's where can people learn more about you and your story?
0: Yeah. So there's probably three best ways to find me. One is on my website, ordinary Sherpa.com. Another would be in the Facebook group that you mentioned earlier. So that would be facebook.com backslash group backslash ordinary Sherpa. Okay. And lastly on Instagram, I'm at ordinary Sherpa as well.
1: Okay. I will have all of those links in there. And again, I highly recommend the podcast as well. Ordinary Sherpa is the name of the podcast, and it's a great show, uh, very entertaining and a lot of good information in there as well. So with that, thank you for being a guest. I just uh, can't wait till the next time uh, we we chat.
0: Thank you for that, Aaron. It was so fun to be a guest on your podcast. It's always fun just to talk about your brand and go off. <laughs> you can tell I get a little jacked up when people start asking me questions. I have five key takeaways from this episode. Number one. Untourism is the art of traveling like a local. Make the hidden come to life and focus on connections with people and places to make the experience memorable. Number two, imagine you're writing your own choose-your-own adventure story. You have $2,500 to go anywhere and do anything. Where do you go? What do you do? And how will you spend the $2,500? Adventure doesn't have to be expensive to be memorable. Number three, Find the yellow option. Life pretends to only offer black and white solutions. You don't have to choose one option. You can blend them. You can create your own picture. Number four, make white space for play. Sometimes the best ideas happen when you aren't striving towards productivity. Number five, are you feeling stuck? When is the last time you did something for the first time? Make a list of all the things you've never done and circle one to two that excite you. It was so fun being on Aaron's podcast. I would hope that you will follow him or if you're interested in his work on the personal brand podcast, he also is starting a a podcast that is specific to Pittsburgh. So a place based podcast, if you're interested in traveling to Pittsburgh or have that on your route, feel free to check him out. I'm going to link to all of his resources in the show notes. Don't forget to subscribe to the email, Ordinary Sherpa email list, if you are interested in learning about the announcement that's coming out this weekend. With that, thank you so much for joining me on this adventure. If you found value from today's show, here are three easy ways you can support us.